Hello, and welcome to the 31st episode of WCAT Chats. I'm Alex Carr, joined alongside by Palmer Ruth, and we have two varsity senior captains with us here today, Lawton Sediment and Fane Barton. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing great. So you guys came off a, uh, a win against Centennial last week. You guys are 2-2 two and two on the season. What have you guys seen from, like, a player standpoint? Um, well, I mean, I think, you know, our two losses don't really show, like, the skill of our team. I think we've had two really good games against two good teams, Pace and Benedictine, both great teams. And I think, you know, if we came out with a different mindset mentality for those two games, I think we'd easily be sitting 4-0 right now. But I like uh, the direction we're heading, definitely. Yeah, I think in both those games, I think we started out losing 17-0 in the first or second quarter and then ended up coming back in both games. It was the one-score game going into the fourth quarter or tied going into the fourth quarter. And it just kind of got away from us because we had to play so much harder and try to come back uh, throughout the whole game. And if so, if we don't dig ourselves in a hole in the first quarter, I think we could we wouldn't be two and two. Yeah, and that pace game was incredibly close. But looking at the Benedictine one, you guys are down 17, and the defense, which is really your specialty, uh, stepped up and had like what four straight three and outs. Yeah, what? I think um, the middle portion of the game, like I think their middle six drives, uh, I think they had a total of about eight yards. I think it was 18 plays for Eight. six yards yeah. throughout the middle of the game. Yeah, so the defense really uh, really stepped up that game to get, like, some – because, I mean, we knew that, you know, their defense was – their defense is good. You know, it, it's, it was going to be hard to move the ball down consistently. So getting those stops, flipping the field on them, and, you know, having those special teams plays where we get the ball back close in their territory were really big that game. Yeah. And then looking ahead for this week, you have the Pigskin Picnic, one of the biggest games, and you're playing against Riverwood. What are you looking forward to in that game? Um, honestly, mainly the environment. It's going to be one of our most crowded games, and we haven't had a home game, uh, a real home game, since really love it because Benedictine, it was Labor Day, so there weren't a whole lot of people there. So it'll be nice to play in front of a lot mm-hmm. of people at home again. Yeah, I'm really excited for the environment. You know, I hope that we can build some momentum at home for the – uh, region games that we have coming up and I'm just you know really excited for everyone to come out and talking about that region um, it looks like the Wildcats are going to be on top of uh, what we've seen from our other opponents what do you guys think about it no Holy Innocence is pretty good this year but they are pretty good um, I think one thing I like about our new region a lot is that um, it's more the quality of the teams are more equal as opposed to our old region where we had like three or four really, really good teams and some teams we would beat pretty badly. In this new region, I think every team is pretty good. So it makes for a more interesting and more fun region play because all the games are usually a lot closer. Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely true. But um, it also comes with, you know, the task of beating better opponents, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, if we come out ready to play every week, I think we can do that. But, I mean, teams like Holy Innocence, for instance, they're definitely going to be a very good team, and we're definitely going to have to bring our best to beat them. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to the rest of the season, do you have any goals set as a team or just individually that you're trying to achieve? Um, well, I mean, our team goals from the beginning of the year have been, you know, uh, they've been more, like, based on what we do in practice and games, like come out uh, fast in the first uh, quarter and the third quarter, so after the breaks – and, you know, play every game like it's the most important game. And I think that um, if we do those things, then the goals of, you know, winning region, making it far in playoffs, those will follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking at the Holy Innocence game, what do you guys think you'll have to do? Like, what will you guys do in practice to be able to topple them? I think we'll probably practice harder because they're, uh, they're a big team. 
and they run the ball a lot. They run a lot of triple option. So, I mean, anytime you play a triple option team, it's going to be different than what you're used to. So we'll definitely focus on that a lot and probably just practice <clears throat> much harder because they are a big team and they're physical. And so most teams we've played this year are very spread offense, a lot very pass heavy, not a lot of running between the tackles, where it's holy innocence. It's a lot of running between C-gap and C-gap and not a lot of passes. So it'll definitely be a tough week of practice and a lot of hitting. Yeah, and from the D-lineman standpoint, um, the whole innocence <clears throat> with the triple option they run, they're so aggressive up middle and they do uh, chop blocks a lot, which uh, is a pretty unique thing to encounter. You usually only encounter it like once or twice a year. So I'm sure that'll come into practice a lot, practicing how to get off of chop blocks, which they're pretty annoying. But, you know, once you, once you know how to get off them, they're not too bad. And what are some young players you've seen so far this year really step up and have, you know, helped take the team to another level? I mean, I think Jack DeButts, for one, and uh, also Robert Douglas. I mean, Jack started, I think, the whole game mm -hmm. uh, last week in Centennial because Jake was out. And then in Benedictine, he also he, – he's been playing the offense and yeah. the defense, and he's been doing a great job, as, as well as Robert Douglas, too. Yeah, I mean, they both definitely stepped up um, out on the team. They're, I mean, they work hard in the weight room, and, you know, it shows on the field. And I think, you know, our uh, secondary is really young, and I think, I mean, it's just clear that they're getting better every week, which is really good to see. And then also I wanted to point out, uh, in our first couple of uh, coaches' meetings, we asked which players took the biggest steps. They said you did, actually. They said your development over the offseason was really impressive. So how did you take those next couple of steps to become one of the captains? Um, well, like last year, you know, I was more of a practice player squad, played a few games, but I mean, the coaches always preach, you know, this is where they find, you know, the next stars, you know, you got to work hard on practice players if you want to, you know, get to being that star in varsity. And I mean, that kind of, you know, reached me and I, you know, worked hard off season, lifted, got in the weight room as much as I could. And I mean, it just really shows how much like you can do in one off season. And then if you had advice to tell like a younger player version of yourself, what would you give to them at like when they're in the lower school or middle school or something like that to get to where you guys are now? I mean, I would just say, you know, stick it out and, you know, work as hard as you can, no matter what position you play, um, like what your role on the team is. If you're just there to, you know, be a practice player and, you know, to make the ones better, you know, do it to – to the best of your ability because it won't only make you better but it'll also make your team better and I mean you know get in the weight room just you know you gotta become like bigger stronger just to you know have a chance at being a great football player. I think pretty much what Lawton said stay in the weight room I mean getting stronger can only help um, and if guys go down a lot of times some injuries can be stopped from working at from being in the weight room but also if you're in the weight room, a lot of coaches no notice that and they see you're working hard and that gives you a better chance of getting on the field. And like Lawton said, just going as hard as you can. If you're playing scout team, go as hard as you possibly can. One, like he said earlier, that's a lot, a lot of times where coaches find players. Like you're going to get to be a starter if you go hard on scout team. And it also makes the rest, the rest of the team better. It makes practice more fun and more enjoyable. It's no fun just standing on the sidelines or half doing it on the field. If you're going all out, it makes it way more fun too. And then, you know, talking about, you know, how you kind of started playing football, when did you really get into it? And then when would you kind of fall in love with it and be like, oh, I really want to do this? Um, I actually hated it when I first started playing. Um, my dad made me play when I was in first grade, and I was playing against – I was always playing against two grades older than me, so I was playing against second and third graders. So, like, my first year I was, like, the smallest, youngest kid on the field, and it was – 
pretty bad because I just was smaller than everybody else. And that was kind of – I would have, like, one bad year where I was the youngest kid and then one good year when I was mm-hmm. kind of in the middle where I was the same size. So until, like – I probably tried to quit every year or every other year until, like, fifth or sixth grade just because I didn't enjoy it. And then in sixth, fifth, sixth, and seventh grade is when I really started to fall in love with the game. Uh, for me, you know, all the all the all young kids, you know, they always want to be the quarterback running back. And, you know, I kind of was. I was a quarterback at NYO, which – was always pretty cool for me because I was like a pretty big guy, even though um, I was a quarterback. And then when I came to Westminster, I moved to offensive and defensive line, and it kind of turned me away for a little bit until I realized like the fun of you know just beating a guy one on one, you know, showing him you know you're better. And I kind of think like when I realized that this year, last year, kind of sparked my love for the game again, and it kind of just really got me back into it. And what's the mentality like for a defensive lineman? Because you guys are out there like the whole game just grueling it in the trenches. So, like, what do you guys have to do to get ready for that? You know, uh, Coach Pullen, our defensive coordinator, um, his big motto for the year so far has been, you know, the next play. You know, it doesn't matter what happened last play as long as, you know, you play better the next play. And it doesn't matter if you played good the last play as long as you play better the next play. And I think for me, um, you know, I kind of – echo that to the whole defense a lot, and it kind of, you know, really reaches me because, you know, it's true, you know, um, every play doesn't matter as long as the next play you play better. And I think, you know, just that mentality of, you know, play every play 110% kind of reaches me when I'm tired on the line. And then is there any players, you know, you watch the pros, even at the collegiate level, you kind of try to model your game off of watch, you know, some of their highlights and try to do that in-game yourself? Um, I've definitely always watched uh, Christian McCaffrey. Um, I really love him a lot. Also seeing uh, a white running back in the NFL can kind of be rare these days. So, uh, and I love the, how he's so explosive and his, start, his stop and start is so quick. And he's also such a threat out of the backfield mm-hmm. in receiving. I really try to model my game as, as he plays. Uh, for me, it's kind of uh, just the Georgia defense. And then, you know, those young talents that like Trayvon Walker, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, off the edge, you know, they're just really explosive. Um, they have some great, like, speed rushes, which is kind of my specialty on the defensive line. And, you know, it kind of just shows me, like, new, new techniques to use, new moves. Um, and, yeah, I mean, watching players as good as those really, really help. And then, you know, before a game, do you all have any, like, routine or kind of something that you do every single week to make sure that you're ready for that game? Um, well, I mean, we have routines as a team, obviously. Uh, we... You know, we always practice out there together, come in, then lock in, and then we go out. Um, the six captains, we walk out before we go out to the 50-yard line. And then my favorite tradition as an underclassman was always like the – we do a chant on the way out uh, to the field with the rest of the team. And I always, I've always loved that chant. You know, I think it really gets you fired up. But me personally, I mean, I, I don't really have anything crazy. I kind of – we break the banner, and then I come over, um, have a, take a few deep breaths, um, pray a little bit, and then just get ready to play. Mine's pretty much similar, but uh, before I go out for, like, the first initial warm-ups, um, I think I started this, like, sophomore year. Uh, like, seven minutes before I go out, I usually play all of Freebird. <laughs> so I listen to Freebird, then go out for warm-ups, and that's really my only special uh, pregame routine. Now, from up from the booth, we can see just from far away that the team is really close. What have you guys as team captains to kind of make that chemistry? 
um, personally, I kind of think just sort of like trying to be make, make friends with everybody, try to know everyone's name on the team, try to include the younger guys and everything that we do and don't just like hang out with seniors like during water breaks or during practice, like go over and talk to the younger guys or some guys that you might not be as close with. Because I mean, I feel like the closer a team is together, the, the better they're going to be. And like, if I'm not friends with the guy who's blocking for me, he's probably not going to want to give it his all to block for me. So you need to be friends with everybody in the team so you can play for each other and play better. Yeah, and I think um, the, our senior class this year is one of the closest that we've had in a while. And I think, you know, the junior sophomores, they kind of mimic, you know, what the seniors do. You know, they fall in our footsteps. And I think, you know, that, like, bond, like, that sense of community that we have as seniors, it really uh, just, like, echoes throughout the whole team, which just, you know, builds the integrity of the team as a whole. And I've heard that Jet Hartley's the uh, the team jokester. <laughs> what do you guys think about that? Um, I would definitely say that's true. Um, definitely Jet and also Garner usually get yelled at by Romberg, um, whether it be in practice, walkthrough, or a meeting. You're probably going to hear Jet say something or his stupid little laugh, <laughs> along with probably Garner sitting next to him. And Coach Romberg loves to point out Crow and Hartley are the class clowns of the team. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Romberg definitely gets on him a good amount. It's pretty funny to see um, him yell at the same two people every day. Uh, but I definitely think, you know, the positive side of it, I definitely, you know, builds a team morale. You know, if we had a rough practice, you know, it always it never fails to make me laugh. Yeah, and, I mean, and there's been a few times where maybe he shouldn't have made that joke or he shouldn't have been <laughs> laughing, and Romberg is probably right about getting on to him. But also sometimes, even though we could be in the wrong or could have done something bad, there's always a little bit of – there could be a little bit of an overreaction from the coaches, and it's always good to have someone be able to lighten the mood. So if we're getting yelled at or something and everyone's kind of mad, Jet's always there to sort of pick everyone up, make everyone laugh and smile again. So it's nice to have that on the team sometimes. And then do any of y'all have a favorite Coach Romberg moment, you know, that you could share on this? Ooh, I mean, that's a good question. Oh, there's too many. But um, personally, one of my favorites is after a rough practice, you know – we were, we were getting, you know, kind of told what we did wrong and all that stuff. And um, then, you know, sometimes in meetings, you know, kids tend to look down at the grass instead of looking them in the eyes. And that's a, ooh, that's a big no-no for Romberg. Yeah. So he starts yelling at us. He's like, he's like, look at me, look at me, like, look up. There's nothing down there. And he started talking about how, you know, the phones, you know, the phones are going to kill us all. Um, how, you know, like we never look up from our darn phones and, all that stuff, and then he, you know, just, like, you know, said that, hey, you know, we should have a phone-throwing party. Let's get out to the baseball dugouts and just throw our phones at the wall. And, I mean, Sam Ravis, this was last year, Sam Ravis uh, raised his hand and he goes, Coach, I would love to do that, and kind of just brightened the mood, but I thought that was, that, that was definitely a funny. Um, I think I've got two of them, and they're both from last year. One of them was, it was pretty early in the season, and I think it either might have been like Athens Academy week, or maybe it was actually in the season, but we were in a rain delay or the wet, the wet bulb was going off, so we couldn't go outside. And until this year, we used to have um, an old putter and a golf ball in the locker room. And we would get like a little cup or a shoe or something and set up like a hole. And so we'd put it like the whole length of the locker room and everyone would take turns trying to make the putt. And like no way, it probably have been a hundred putts attempt so far, and no one's even come close. In a sophomore at the time, Webb Web Bogus yep. walks up and he's like, let me try it. And we're all like, all right, Webb, like, sure, like, you're not going to make it. 
and he just drills it, and the locker room goes crazy. Everyone's screaming and yelling, and people are jumping around. People are on top of all the lockers, and Romberg comes in, and he is furious, just yelling at us, and he's like, I don't want to hear another peep. So everyone's just, like, sitting in the locker, like, all quiet and kind of, like, sad because Webb just made this great putt, and everyone's pissed off. And then we go out to practice, and Romberg makes us run because we weren't getting ready for practice. We were goofing off and whatnot. And then after practice, a few of the seniors told Romberg what had happened and showed him a video. And so the next day, Coach Romberg apologized, and he actually did the same running that he made us do the day before. So he ran like four <clears throat> half-gassers down and back across the field. So that was pretty funny to see, and he was smiling and laughing. And he gave a talk about actually – how happy he was with us and how that was great team bonding. And he apologized, which is not something you will always hear from Coach Romberg. Uh, him apologizing was pretty funny. And then my other one was also last year. Um, I forget if it was a college, about a college football game or if, it was, if everybody would wear the right thing because that's been a big problem for us always. There's always one person who's not wearing the right thing, whether it be practice or the game. And uh, Marshall Benton made a bet with Coach Romberg I'm pretty sure it was that everyone would wear the right thing to walk through one day, and everyone actually did. So then Coach Romberg had to run gassers the next week in practice because everyone wore the right, wore the right thing, so that was pretty funny. Yeah, I actually made a similar bet with him last year, and it was not my winning week. So. <laughs> yeah, Law did not win that one. No. Uh, have there been any specific coaches for you guys that have, like, shaped your game and that, like, influenced who you are now? Um, personally – uh, my, uh, I switched to the D-line, you know, pretty recently. Uh, I used to be a linebacker. Uh, and Coach Joel, you know, he always, you know, gets on us. I mean, he's a football coach, you know. He yells at us for doing the wrong things. But, um, I mean, he, he really is a very smart guy when it comes to, you know, defensive techniques and all that. And, uh, I mean, I really learned, you know, basically everything I know about the defensive line from him. And, you know, I mean – He's just done a great job teaching, you know, all the young guys, you know, keeping everyone involved, you know, having good drills, you know, as grueling as some maybe. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he really just helped me, you know, become a better overall defensive rusher and defensive player. Well, for me, I think probably Coach Pullen. Um, he's a d defensive coordinator and he coaches the safeties. And uh, I played safety freshman all the way through this year. I played kind of – it was sort of like corner, but it was really safety one game last year. And then this year, I got moved to corner. Uh, I got moved to field corner first, then to boundary corner. And then now, I think I've learned every defensive back position and have had to play a different one almost every single week. And uh, Coach Pullen has been really helpful with learning all the different positions and techniques, but also sort of him helping me learn the defensive side of things and how different coverages and plays and how the techniques, all, all those things worked. Um, it also sort of helps offensively too, like running certain routes. If you can recognize this coverage, or when you're running the ball, if they're in this, they come out in this. This if there's like one spot that's going to be open, or you know this guy is going to get beat. So he's kind of helped. He's obviously helped a lot on defense, but also helped me on offense too, with a better understanding of the defense, so I know what to do on offense. And then, do any of y'all what side of the ball do you kind of prefer playing, offense or defense? I prefer offense personally. Yeah, personally, uh, for defense, definitely. You know, there's not much, there's not too much glamour for the O line. Not that I don't love, you know, being left tackle, but uh, you know, getting getting to be able to you know sack a guy or make a big tackle for loss, you know, or just a big play is just 
I mean, you just you know switch the momentum of the game with one play, which is something that I can't necessarily necessarily do on offense. You know, it just really I just really enjoy you know getting the whole team amped up after I make a play or something. You know, it's definitely my favorite part of the game. And I've got one more question: Is there any older players from the past couple of years that like influenced what you guys think about football or how you play it? Uh, yeah, for me personally, um, Holden stays, you know, uh, it was my sophomore year and the next year I, I didn't really want to be uh, a lineman anymore. So I wanted to be a tight end like he was. And, you know, I, I started talking to him about like, you know, helping me, you know, learn techniques for tight end, you know, which I soon realized was not a feasible dream. <laughs> um, but you know, like watching him in practice, he always went 100%. You know, I mean, I probably got pancaked by him 100 times, which wasn't really fun. But uh, it taught me, you know, to go hard every play no matter what. Um, to, like, the work ethic that he had was, I mean, really special. As you can see, I mean, he's doing great in, at Notre Dame right now. And, you know, his work ethic and just the way he, like, saw the game really um, taught me a lot about the game. Uh, I think I have a few, and for many different reasons. Uh, a few of them being my freshman year. Um, HK Adeli, Beck, Edmondson, and Lil Jones, they were all seniors. And I was a freshman, and I was used to usually one of the bigger players in the field. And now I'm like a 14-year-old, tiny little kid going against all of them every day in practice. And I was just getting beat up every single day by those three during inside run or team or having to try to block HK. And just sort of seeing, like, how – much bigger they were than me at the time and how hard they practiced kind of like motivated me to get bigger, get better and like practice harder and play harder and also learn to be more elusive and make people miss because getting hit by them every play is not very fun. Even if you are a big guy, you still don't want to, as a running back, you don't want to be getting hit very hard every single play. So they really taught me how to sort of make people miss and also try to get bigger and stronger. All right, well, that's all the questions for me. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. This is a lot of fun. And good luck with Riverwood. And then looking on down the season, you also got uh, region play. So good luck, guys, and wishing you the best. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Alana Fane. Great having you on today. Now, talking about football, we mentioned it. They're 2-2. Two two. They beat Centennial 32-21. Great defense. Brand Morgan, he had two touchdowns and one that got called back, and he's just been making a big impact. That chemistry between him and Michael Bouet has been fantastic. And this weekend, this Friday, they got the Pigskin Picnic. Red, white, and blue, America. You know, if you can't make it, watch on NFHS. And if you don't got time for that, follow the Twitter. With Bran, I want to add, it, he had a called, uh, the touchdown was called back, and then he did it again in the next, like, two plays. So mm -hmm. he did end up with two total, even with that one that got called back. So with uh, Bran Morgan with an incredible game, I'm, like, mm -hmm. getting close to 100 receiving yards. And then, as you said, Riverwood Friday, yep. Cats looking to uh, make some noise. They had a win against Centennial last week. It wasn't entirely what they were looking for. <laughs> Um, but Coach Romberg looking to straighten things out and uh, get the Cats back in what uh, they consider the win column. Yeah, and then we got cross-country. got a little wing foot meet coming up this weekend. I believe the guys are running Friday and Saturday. Girls just on Saturday. So, you know, go maybe watch them run. Who knows? It's one of the fast meets of the year. A lot of PRs looking to happen, you know, especially after the girls' last meet got canceled. So, you know, it's been – I believe two weekends since the last time they've ran in a competitive environment. So we can really see how much they've been training and really how much those times are dropping. 
And I got to say, I've been walking down at Turner where I've been parking recently for um, school. I see them practicing every single day. They're it's, there in the morning and at night, I swear. They're it, always I, I there. I know. It's, it's actually crazy how much they run. Personally, I don't think I could make it a mile. Um, but they do like six times that, and they're happy. They have smiles on their faces, which is in, just incredible Like Ooh, with wow. how much running they're doing. Uh, softball, they're 7-5, and five, but 2-0 and oh in region play which is the thing that matters. They lost to Blessed Trinity 6-7 to seven last seven to six last Wednesday, and they play Centennial, Centennial last night, and they won 12-8, to eight, and then they play Saturday against Chambly. So a lot of games recently have been canceled due to weather, but the Cats, 2-0 in region play, so mm-hmm. still looking strong. And then jump back up to cross country, forgot to mention, the Jersey Mike's players of the week are Jacob Jaco and Frazier Blaintwain. So, you know, great to see them getting honored. Then moving on to volleyball. 29 and 6. That is impressive. They played against Lovett last night and they won 2 0. So, so far on the school year, every single Westminster varsity sport has beaten the Lovett Lions. And you know, I know, big rivalry, Battle of Buckhead, but Westminster has been dominating. Obviously, football is a tremendous score. Softball beat them pretty dominantly. Volleyball a little bit closer, but you know, they still came out with a win. And then this Thursday at home, we're going to have a little bit of St. Pius X coming into town. And the volleyball team will keep on keeping up with their great year. Moving on. Yeah, Holden stays this week. Had another touchdown. And, you know, a ton of collegiate cats in, in, high, in college, pardon me, have scored goals for the gir- girls' soccer. And then moving on to the Falcons, you know, I don't really want to talk about it as a Packers fan. But Packers blew a pretty sizable lead, and the Falcons ended up winning 25-24. to yeah, Falcons. What 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 are we doing? How are they two and zero? It's actually shocking that they're two and zero. What's the Patriots record? Zero and two. But to be fair, they faced two really good teams, and they also they've kept it close in both of the they games. Have. So they've done way better than I've actually expected them yep. to. Um, but just I I feel like this past couple of years I've kind of grown away from football, just from like a fan standpoint. I'm a college football guy. Uh, like just football in total. Besides uh, Westminster football, I feel like just because I haven't been able to play it, I just kind of gotten removed from it, and my focuses have just changed, which is a little sad. But this weekend, I really got to watch football, uh, and go through the different games, and I mm-hmm. really enjoyed that. Falcons twenty five twenty four. Desmond Ritter, honestly, solid, better than what I expected. Two hundred thirty seven passing yards, one touchdown, one interception. But Bijan Robinson. Wow. Beyond. That kid has got He's a good. lot of talent. Yeah. S- averaging 6.5 yards per carry on 19 carries. Let me do the quick math. That's 124 yards. <laughs> I mean, Bijan Robinson, one of the most elusive running backs I've ever seen. He was putting on moves. There oh, yeah. was one play where he juked out three Packers in a row. Mm-hmm. You should have watched him play against, like, college teams. That was impressive. Yeah. Now, moving on to college football. You know, kind of a boring week of games. This week is going to have a lot better games, especially Ohio State versus Notre Dame. It's going to be a great top 10 matchup. And one of the biggest news of this week's AP ranking, Alabama fell out of the top 10 for the first time in something like five years. Texas up to three, which seems a little bit high, but Florida State kind of fell after they barely beat a team. And then Atlanta United, 
you know, this weekend, he was going to be, oh, Messi's coming to town, you know, blah, 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 enter Miami. And then Messi's side, he doesn't even want to show up. But you know who did show up? Atlanta United. They were able to take down Inter Miami 5-2 to two Saturday night. And they play tonight versus D.C. United. I would go into some really deep soccer analysis right here, but I'm a fan of Inter Miami's colors. So you're, you're a I, pink guy? I, I like the pink. I think it looks really cool in the soccer jersey. Uh, Atlanta United colors are also pretty cool, but they're just like the Falcons colors. Yeah. Like, and I'm pretty sure they did that just because the stadium's the same. get to keep the same colors. Owned by like the that. same guy, you know. Exactly. Um, you got any other soccer stuff? Before I move on, back onto the NFL, there's one big game that oh, I wanted yeah. to talk that about. Oh, yeah. That was an Crazy game. Giants versus Cardinals. The New York Giants started off to the worst start for a football team I have ever seen in my life. They lost 40-0 to zero in the first game. And then in the second game, in the first half, they were down 20-0. to zero. So in the first six quarters of the season, they were... <laughs> They, they were shut out and gave up 60 points, but miraculously, they came back to win the second game, 31-28. Mm-hmm. to I'm pretty sure this is the biggest comeback in Giants history. They put up 31, uh, to 31 points in the second half. Cardinals only able to put up eight. Daniel Jones, 26 for 37, 321 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. So, yeah. um, improvements. Saquon Barkley, unfortunately, got injured. Um, Unfortunate. And uh, kind of destroying their argument because uh, he and Nick Chubb were big people in the uh, discussions for running backs that they should get paid more for what they do. <laughs> Nick Chubb with a very terrible injury. I feel so bad for what happened to him. Mm-hmm. But um, their argument was that running backs need to get paid more. Both of them getting injured within the first two weeks is not a good look. Now um, moving on to the baseball diamond Braves. I don't know if they, we'd had an episode since they clinched up the division. We might have. And then they clinched up at a bye in the first week, and they're playing the Phillies right now. One last night, really great game. Strider shoved Acuna, two homers, one away from, I believe, the sixth or the seventh 40-40 year in MLB history. But he already is the first guy with 30-60, looking now to be the first guy with 30-70, or 40-70 even. You know, the numbers add up. He steals a lot of bases. He hits the ball far. He runs fast. He's good at baseball. And I think that's pretty much it for this week's episode, except for one thing. Well, I, I had a couple questions. Okay. MVP race for NL, very. It's not close. I'm, I, it's Acuna. See, but I, I look at Acuna's defense. Look at his it arm. It's terrible. Okay, it's, yeah, his arm, is, his arm is above average, really good. I, I looked at it actually last night. His top throw is like 104, which is second Woo. in the league. It's incredible. But his arm is good, but his like actual defense is miserable. And you might be thinking, that's just because he's fast. And so he makes more plays and has a bigger range than everyone else. But that's not true. If you look at it, he, he is – Got some of the worst jumps ever. You slap Palmer out there, and he's got the same Hey, jumps. now, I was a gold glove outfielder back at Buckhead Baseball back in the day in my third year playing AAA. Back in his heyday. They called me um, Sean Cashmere Jr. <laughs> back in Palmer's heyday, he and Ronald Acuna Jr. scored the same outs above average. Um, but Acuna's defense is actually abominable. I think every award is pretty locked up right now. I think, you know, you're going to go AL MVP is going to be Otani, NL's Acuna. And then the one tricky one is NL Cy Young, but I think Blake Snell is going to come away with that one. He shoved last night, went a five or six hitless innings. He's, leading the, he's not leading in strikeouts. And then the American League, 
You know, Yankees might actually win something this year. Looks like Garrett Cole may win the Cy Young. Yeah, it feels like the American League Cy Young is kind of locked up just because Garrett Cole's got like a, what, 270 RA. Uh, but for the NL, I thought uh, – uh, Justin, Steele. Justin Steele was closer. Steele kind of had a blow-up start in his last one, and it was kind of like neck and neck, and that kind of gave Snell the advantage. And then also, Strider. Uh, yeah, Strider. Through his first, he has the most strikeouts to his thir- first 50 starts or something like that. Yeah, he's good at baseball. He he's, throw ball he's pretty hard. good. He's pretty good, yeah. Big legs, throw the ball hard. So your motto. Good mustache, yeah. I'm trying to get the Spencer Strider legs. Uh, and then once I get the mustache, I'm pretty sure 100 is just like a freebie. Yeah, that's what um, Schwartz needs to do. <laughs> yeah. Thank um, you. <laughs> uh, but also, I think Mookie Betts does have a case for the M- MVP purely because of versatility, defense specifically. He's playing shortstop, second base in right field at an elite level. Hey, if he wants to go win that new Golden Glove Award for the best utility player, go ahead and win it. Is that an actual thing? It is a thing. Well, like, look at his OPS, 1,006. You want to pull up Acuna? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's, like, 1,005 or something. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, it's the same. Like, it's 1,014. So yeah, after <laughs> last point, night. Oh, eight points higher, right? And Here, Rookie Betts' defense them. is literally miles. But he's only leading it by .2 in war. Right, so it's like not miles, kind of a stretch there. Where's the no? It's the defense. I know, but the, like the, the war. war is considering his base running. Mm, somewhat, but it's also considering his defense. Which, which war is that? Uh, the one war hat takes into. I'm looking at B war. I'm, I'm a B war guy. F, doesn't F war take into outs above average? <laughs> I don't. I I use baseball reference. I'm not really a fan graphs guy personally. Well, either way, uh, either way you slice it, I personally think Mookie Betts has a really strong case. Some people are counting him out, but. I think his defense is really what speaks um, miles about what he's been able to accomplish this year. Um, and that'll do it for me. Thank you guys so much for watching. Yeah, it was great, you know, tying to the football players. Make sure to watch all the sports we mentioned, especially show up to the Pigs and Picnic or listen to Alex Carr on the call. You know, he'll mess some things up, but he does a great job. His voice sounds good. Thank you, as always. Make sure to follow, go on the Twitter, TikTok, whatever. Thank you. Go Cats.